your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now, this sounds kind of productive when you hear that, maybe even Pollyanna-ish, but it really isn't. You know, the greatest leaders, top influencers, the highest money-earning, sustainably successful salespeople, this is how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. They're always looking out for the interests of the other person. And, you know, when you think about it, it makes sense, right? Because nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet or because you need the money or even because just because you're a nice person, they're going to buy from you because they believe that ultimately they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so, which when you think about it is the only reason anybody should buy from you or from me or from anyone else, right? So it behooves us, it behooves us to place their interests first. Hello everyone and welcome to the Win Today podcast an inspirational and performance-focused podcast that will inspire you to win today by connecting with amazing leaders and sharing amazing stories. You will learn from some of the most intentional, disciplined, and heartwarming people on the globe, people who will propel you forward and give you tools to succeed in any situation. My name is Ryan Cass, and I am your host, It is my purpose in this world to inspire people to establish a foundation for sustained success and chart a desirable course for life. Thank you so much for tuning in. In order to help us grow, I believe the best gift is to give back. And if what you hear resonates with you and helps push you forward in life, then please help us grow and reach more people by subscribing to the podcast, sharing it, and if you feel led, clicking one of those buttons that has five stars and writing a review. Thank you so much. Let's connect with our guest. What's up, everyone? Bringing back one of my favorite discussions from earlier this year with Bob Berg, who is the author of The Go-Giver. The Go-Giver is a book series And in the original, it's a fictional leadership fable that follows a character named Pindar, who is a young, ambitious employee in the corporate world, wanting to move up to the top and counter to what one may believe is the reason that gets people up to the top in anything, whether it being hard work and having a bunch of knowledge. He actually learns that through being of service to others and giving back, you can generate a lot of success. And I really believe that the greatest gift is to give back. And I do believe that the most successful people are those who make it a habit to help and serve others. That's why I'm bringing this discussion back as we're approaching the halfway point in the year, thinking about the second half of 2023 Make it a habit to give back, to serve others, to give your heart, to show your heart. Enjoy this discussion. Bob, honored to have you on the show, sir. Hey, Ryan, the honor is mine. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So this has been my favorite read so far in 2023. And this book was recommended to me through a mentor of mine in a community group that we have called Champion Tribe. And they said, uh, you got to read The Go-Giver. You got to read it. Wow. And finally read it. Absolutely love it. You've got a a rap sheet and bio that extends for 
a long time, but what I really love to know about people right off the bat is beyond what people would read about you. What is something that isn't readily available online that makes you human or makes you really proud and why? Makes me proud. I don't know if I'd use proud as much as what I think brings me pleasure is feeling as though I have a way of encouraging people mm-hmm. in a way and helping to to kind of genuinely bring out their best so that they feel good about themselves and they're encouraged and they know that they have what it takes to to really succeed. That's beautiful. And I believe just by your way of being now that I'm experiencing it live and through watching several of your podcast interviews and even in your writing, that is so true that you strive to to bring out the best in people and that's a beautiful thing. And I think it's a, a means to being able to create a lot of things for, for yourself in addition to, to those around you, because you want to bring out the best in, in sure. others. So I want to start off with the genesis of the go-giver and the premise of the book, in addition to what led you to, to write on this topic. Well, so many years ago, back in the 90s, uh, I had a book out called Endless Referrals. The uh, subtitle is Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales. And it was a it was a how to book for entrepreneurs and salespeople who knew they had a great product or service. They were very, you know, they, they, they very much knew that they offered a lot of value to their customers, to their clients, but they may not have felt comfortable or confident going out into their local areas and building the kind of relationships where people would want to do business with them directly and refer them to others. So it was really a, you know, again, a a how-to on how to build these relationships in a way that you could be very comfortable doing it and, and have those you were speaking with be very comfortable. The, the basic premise was that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And it was sort of the how to get to those those points in your relationship. So, but it was a how-to book, and I'd always loved reading parables. And uh, you know, starting with Ogmandino's greatest salesman in the world, James Classen's richest man in Babylon, and many others, and, and up in the the the. the uh, Ken Blanchard and Spencer Johnson one minute series of books. And uh, then you've had people over the years, such as the great John Gordon and just, you know, Andrea Waltz and Richard Fenton, just all sorts of great people. And and parables, which are stories, they connect on a deeper level. I think we all know that stories connect, you know, to a degree that a how to doesn't. And I love how to books. I've read thousands of them. But, uh, you know, I, but there's something about a story. So, yeah, so I'd, I'd always thought, you know, wouldn't it be neat if we could kind of take that, that basic how to that basic all things being equal premise and put it into a, a parable? Fortunately, I, I got to meet a guy by the name of John David Mann, who was the editor in chief of a magazine I was writing a monthly column for. And John is an absolutely brilliant author, brilliant writer and storyteller. And so I, I, you know, and we'd never met in person at this time, but over the back and forth of the uh, emails we'd send, because again, he was my editor. And so I I just shared with him this kind of basic idea that I had. And I asked, you know, well, what do you think about it? And, you know, he was very busy at the time. He was doing a whole bunch of different projects, but he and his back then fiance, now wife, Anna, they were visiting her mom 
in the Tampa, Florida area. I live in Jupiter. So one, one afternoon they took a four hour drive over. We had about a three hour dinner, discussed the idea of what the book would look like. And uh, then about three weeks later, he called me and said, you know, we discussed it and we think this is a good idea. So uh, that's really how the book came about. So without John's masterful, masterful writing and storytelling, you know, the book wouldn't have been what it was. So it was definitely a team effort. Yeah. I love that. And love that you're giving credit to, to your partner. And it's, it was a fantastic read. I love the parable style. I was thinking about some similar, well, not similar books, but similar in the fact that they're parables like Patrick Lencioni. Oh yeah. Well, he's one. And, and some of those, but this one had me really like, Oh man, who is, who is Joe going to meet next? Right. Yeah. Who's, who is, who is the go giver? Who is it? So that's John's writing. He, Oh, uh, tremendously written. And within the book, there are five laws of stratospheric success. If you could cover the, those laws at a high level, and then there are a couple that I want to deep dive into. Yeah. So the five laws themselves are the laws of of, um, value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. The law of value is really all about making the entire experience so phenomenal that by the time the person, you know, owns your product or service and pays for it, they feel as though they've received much more in value than what they've paid while you also make a very healthy profit. You know, this would be sort of, uh, you know, Ernesto Iafrate's restaurant where it's a high, uh, upscale restaurant and a swanky part of town. And, you know, it's a pretty penny to eat there. But from the moment you get there and you're greeted by Sal, the maitre d' and you're seated and introduced to the wait team who takes such great care of you and the food's wonderful, the presentation's fantastic and the ambiance is terrific. And by the time you leave, you may have paid a good amount on the check, but boy, the, the, the value you received, you feel like a million bucks, right? And, and, and of course, Mr. Iafrate also makes a very healthy profit. In fact, in any, uh, free market based interaction, free market simply mean, meaning no one's forced to do business with anyone else. There should always be at least two profits, the buyer profits and the seller profits, because each of them come away much better off afterwards than they were beforehand. But the key to this is that the seller is focused not on the fee or the money they're receiving. They're, they're focused on the immense value they're providing, which is why John David Mann and I say that money is simply an echo of value. Hmm. Right. It's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning, which means the value must be the focus. The value comes first. The money you receive is a very natural result of the value you've provided. Law number two, the law of compensation says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So law number two is law number one is your potential income, right? The value. Law number two is your actual income because it's all about how many people's lives you impact. Mm-hmm. And that's what Nicole Martin, the, the CEO in the story, was teaching Joe, the protege, that uh, that it's not just a matter of the value, although that's foundational and that's very important. But it's how many lives you're able to impact with the exceptional value you provide. That's what you so we could say, you know, exceptional value plus significant reach equals very high compensation. Mm-hmm. Law number three is the law of influence. This says what he should buy from you or from me or from anyone else, right? So it behooves us. It behooves us to place their interests first. 
because that's why they're they're going to make the decision. Now, I do want to clarify something and qualify because I think this is very important. When we say place the other person's interests first, we don't mean you should be anyone's doormat or a martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not at all. It's simply as Joe, the protege, learned from several of the mentors, and we talked about this earlier, the golden rule of business being all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, here's the thing, Ryan, there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you from others than by genuinely moving from that I focus or me focus to an other focus, looking to as Sam, one of the mentors uh, advised Joe, make your win all about the other person's win. Mm -hmm. Law number four, the law of authenticity says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. Deborah Davenport was the mentor in this part of the story. And she shared a very important lesson that all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they all are, and they are all very, very important. They're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. But when you do, when you show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel good about you. They feel comfortable with you. They feel safe with you. Why? You know, why wouldn't they? They know who they're getting. And this is very key because it's a very elemental aspect of human nature that we want to be able to make sense of our world and this in a world that often doesn't make sense. So when you show up, you know, the same way day after day, week after week, month after, people have a sense of, of security. Again, that that safety about you. And uh, so when it comes to building trust and maintaining trust, consistency, which is a, a part of authenticity, uh, is so very important. Now, one one thing I'll say, though, is I think that the word authenticity has kind of taken on a new meaning in a way that I see where, and it's not a meaning I, I particularly like. It's almost as though authenticity has come to mean no boundaries, just say or do whatever you want because, well, you're being authentic. And as long as you're authentic, that's okay. I don't, I don't agree with that. You know, this is like the person who says, well, I have anger issues and I yell at people a lot. And if I were to act any differently, that wouldn't be authentic of me. And that's malarkey. That's, that's baloney. It simply means this person has an authentic problem that they need to authentically work on in order to become a better, higher, authentic version of themselves. So I think it's important that we don't let authenticity, we don't use authenticity as an excuse to not grow, but instead mm -hmm. we use it as impetus to become our better, higher, authentic self. Personally, I, I define authenticity very simply. I believe it's acting congruently with your values. And as long as you do that, now you're being authentic. And then finally, there's the law of receptivity. And this one says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. And this really means nothing more than, than understanding that, yeah, you breathe out, you also have to breathe in. It's mm -hmm. not one or the other, right? We breathe out carbon dioxide. We breathe in oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving. We breathe in, which is receiving. And giving and receiving are not opposite concepts, though. The messages from the world around us say otherwise. The world gives us so many anti-prosperity messages. It's really kind of a horrible thing, you know, and 
And this is from, you know, whether it's a combination of upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, movies, popular culture, cultural mores, you know, wealth and prosperity and abundance is almost looked down at as, oh, if you made a lot of money, you did something bad to someone or did it on the backs of others or took advantage. No, it's a big world. There's people who do things in ways we don't like, but by and large, it's really not the case, especially if you're in a business where no one's forced to do business with you, right? You have no special government rules or things that give you an unfair advantage. Uh, you know, you know it, it, the cronyism that you see between, you know, big businesses and government that keep out the cut. No, most of us, that's not how we work. We work in an environment where if we want someone's business, we've got to please them. You know, we've got to give them something they want, right? Because otherwise, why would they do business with us? And in that case, if you, the only way you can make a lot of money is to serve a lot of people with a lot of value. And so I think it's important to, to know that not only are giving and receiving not opposite concepts, giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin, and they work together in tandem. So it's not, are you a giver or a receiver? You're a giver and a receiver. But what you also know is that the giving comes first. And this is universal law. These are laws of nature, human nature, sure, but also physical nature, right? We plant before we harvest. We mm -hmm. sow before we reap. We give before we receive. Remember early in the story, Pindar says to Joe, yeah, Pindar was the main mentor. He says to Joe, his protege, you know, Joe, some people go up to a fireplace with the attitude of first, you give me some fire and some heat, and then I'll throw on some logs and light a match, right? doesn't work that way. doesn't work right. that way. You know, imagine going into a bank and saying, hey, I'm thinking of opening up an account here, but first, uh, give me an interest payment, and then I'll open an account. Life doesn't work that way. We've got to provide value, give value. Then we receive, and when that opportunity comes, we need to be able to allow ourselves to be open to receiving in gratitude. I love the laws. And while we're on the law of receptivity and and giving, I'd like to shed some light and gain your perspective on people th with giving with the expectation of receiving versus giving and knowing that something will eventually be received. I feel that there are a lot of folks that will give only because they believe they're going to receive mm -hmm. versus those who want to give genuinely from their heart and maybe not believe that they deserve to receive something, which I think your your coin analogy dispels that thought. But if you could shed some light on that, I would, I would appreciate that because that's something I even wrestle with from time to time. And I'm sure. a huge believer in giving. Well, you know, it's, it's very human. And um, we would say, John and I put it this way. It's giving without attachment hmm. to receive it. Okay. I mean, we expect good that we want you to expect good things to happen. But, but when people say give without a, a expectation, what they mean is, I think, give without attachment. In other words, you give because it's who you are, because it's who you are, it's what you do. It's congruent with your values. You want to give value to others. You're not attached to having to receive from that person. But here's what you know that when you're giving value to people, okay, and you're, you're touching lives by giving value to people. What happens is you're planting so many seeds of goodwill, of great will, right? So many people know you, like you, trust you, want to be part of your life, want to be 
in relation with you, want to tell others about you, want to be right. That what you've done is you've created what we call the benevolent context for your success. Mm. And this is when you begin receiving plenty. Okay. The key though, is to do so without attachment. I have good expectations. Of course, I have positive expectations. Why, why wouldn't we? But don't be attached emotionally to having to get from that, that source. Got it. No, that helps. And giving without attachment. I think that's this, I'm, I'm a big believer in what's the most simple thought that I can place on something and allow that to, to latch onto my mind because I believe that power is created in simplicity mm, in, in many so. ways. And on the topic of giving, many people may resort giving to strictly monetary efforts. Right. What are some other ways that we can think about giving and delivering so much value other than maybe I'm making a donation to you or I'm buying a meal for someone else? Yeah. What are good ways to think about that? And we're actually not even talking about that in terms of giving, you know, mm -hmm. when we talk about the business sense, right? We're, yeah. we're, we're talking about giving excellence, giving consistency, giving attention, giving empathy, giving appreciation. It's giving connections to people. It's giving intelligence to people. You know, it's, it's giving information to people. It's, uh, you know, it's, there's so many ways in which you can find ways to be of value. All of that is given, right? Mm -hmm. And, and really when you think about it, that anyone in sales is solving problems for others, basically it's discovering what the other person needs, wants, or desires and helping them to get it. Some of that desire is having a problem solved, you know? So, so really that's what we mean by giving, providing immense value to others. Yeah. And when it comes to, to charity, now we're talking about, you know, it could be donations financially, it could be time, it could be mentorship, it could be a lot of things. But in the business sense, when we talk about giving, we're talking about making other people's lives better through everything you, everything you do. I love to paint the picture that giving isn't strictly a monetary activity. Exactly. And you can give a million dollars in value mm -hmm. without actually stroking a check. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and we can make people go into the first law of, of value that it's not always a monetary proposition. You mentioned the restaurant example where there's some places you go to that they just make you feel at home and it's personal and you want to keep going back there again and again and again because of how they make you feel. I spoke to a, to a group of MBA students last month. And the objective was to get them to think about where they can see themselves in the future and to help them chart their course and think about, okay, how can they identify their ideal company? And I put a chart up on the screen with some of the notable companies that we often talk about, the Apples of the world, Google, Boeing, General Electric. And I mentioned that, you know, many of y'all may be thinking about these companies and there's, there's nothing wrong with them. They're, they're fantastic companies. We use their products every day. But I also want you to think about, you know, is there, is there a restaurant that you prefer that's not a big chain, like a small mom and pop shop? And some hands went up and I said, well, what is it about that place that makes you want to go there versus let's say the, the big chain, the Roost Chris? And someone said, well, because of 
the service and how they make us feel. And it's that value that they're providing. Sure. And I said, well, even when you're looking at a place to work, what type of value will they create for you, for your, for the environment? So I love that this law applies to to so many things. Oh yeah. We talk about that. And I, I think you brought up a great point, you know, because people do want to think, well, can you give an example of a company who gives so much more value? Well, yeah, pretty much anyone that's sustainably profitable and doing great mm-hmm. over time probably is is doing that, right? You know, it's in that uh, guy, I think of the, my local restaurant that I go to for breakfast that I just love. And, you know, the food's good, but there's other places that food's also good. But when you go in there, they make you just feel like part of the family. They, it's as though you're the most important person in the world to them. And every customer feels the same way. And the, you know, the, the whole staff operates as one team and there's just a lot of love there. And it's just a, it's a wonderful experience. So, you know, right. sure. When we think about the go-giver and being a go-giver, we often hear people talk about go-getters, especially in the workforce. Can a go-giver and a go-getter coexist in the same human being? Oh, they should. They should. You know, it always goes back to how you define terms, of course. Mm -hmm. So we see a go-getter as being a person of action. So we love that. Okay. We love go-getters because, you know, as business people, we all know that you can have the nicest thoughts, best concepts, nicest ideas, but without action, nothing's going to happen. Right. So we love go-getters. Now, if you combine a go-getter, a person of action with a go-giver, someone who is absolutely completely laser focused on providing immense value to others, that's a powerful combination. We would say the opposite of a go-giver is not a go-getter. We'd say an opposite of a go-giver is a go-taker. And that's the person who feels almost entitled, if you will, to take, take, take without having added value to the person, to the process, to the situation. They tend to be frustrated because they they typically are not as successful as they believe they should be. And even those who are, and it's a big world, and there are certainly go-takers who are, who are financially successful, but boy, is it tough work. It's hard work because you don't have anybody on your side, really. By the very nature of who you are, you have to just keep repeating the process again and again and again. It's exhausting. And plus, go-takers tend to not have really good relationships in the other areas of their lives. So we would say be a go-getter and a go-giver, just not a, a go-taker. Now, the, the, the many go-getters, like Joe in the story, started out as a go-getter, but he was also a go-taker, right? Mm-hmm. He, he shifted from being a, a, a go-getter, go-taker to being a go-getter who was also a go-giver. But, you know, we would say anyone who is a go-giver by the very nature of the thing has to also be a go-getter because being a go-giver isn't just sitting back and, you know, waiting. It's going out there and creating value in the marketplace. So I I love your question. Yeah. And it's something that when reading the book and hearing you on some other podcasts, like, okay, I understand the go-giver. I love the premise of it. And we should all strive to to be the go-giver. Does that push being a go-getter away? But that's not the case. And to your point, yeah, I couldn't imagine being a great go-giver without being a great go-getter. Go-getter. Absolutely. Action is very important. Yes, sir. So when we think about that in an organization or even in the community, what are some, when we're looking to find the go-givers in life, mm-hmm. how, how do you quickly identify them when you go visit an organization? I think you tend to attract them. I think go-givers tend to attract other other go-givers. And I, and I think we have our antenna out for them and they have mm-hmm. their antenna out for us. 
And I think it happens. It doesn't mean there aren't people who can't fake it for a little while and fake it pretty good. Some of them, that's how con artists are, are, you know, make their cons, but, but nah, pretty much they, they, they tend to, you know, you tend to, to kind of show yourself after a while. They, the, the go takers show themselves and the, uh, and the go givers tend to show themselves. And, and I just find it, it usually works out pretty well. Absolutely. For those who are listening to this and maybe in, in leadership roles or in, in leadership being a, a relative term, but a, a team for those being in a team environment that they would like to inspire to be more of a go-giver. Obviously they can read the book and apply the, the five laws. That's one of the best ways. But if we had to break down into a few actionable steps that anyone could take today, what would you say to those people? Well, I would always give the suggestion that Pindar gave Joe, and that was to apply each of the laws that very day. You know, mm-hmm. don't try to be perfect about it. You don't, you don't have to be, right? It's just try to, uh, you know, apply, find out, you know, how can I be focused on finding a way to give value to someone else, which could be just as easy as holding a door open for someone mm-hmm. and letting them go first. Or, you know, if you're, you're 7-Eleven and you have a cup of coffee you're about to pour and you see them, it's pouring their coffee, you know, saying, Oh, uh, may I pour your coffee? You know, it's just as easy as that. Right. Uh, it's as easy as, is paying someone a compliment. It's as easy as whatever it is that's in front of you that you could be of value to someone. Right. You know, when it comes to the law of compensation, it's looking to see how many people's lives you can touch in some way when it comes to info, you know, so it's that, it's that whole thing. Now, when it comes to receptivity, it might be as simple as saying thank you when you receive a compliment, which isn't mm-hmm. always easy for people to do, right? And so, so when someone pays you a compliment, instead of saying, oh, oh, no, 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 allow yourself to receive by saying, oh, thank you. That's very kind of you. Boom. And doing that. So I, I think that's what I would do. As far as leadership goes, I think it's always a matter of, of your team members knowing that you care. Mm-hmm. That's so important. It's so very important. If you want to create a a positive culture, it's got to be a culture where people feel safe, where people feel honored, where people feel as though you see them as much more than just how they can contribute to your bottom line. Okay. And I think most leaders know that they don't always follow it, but more and more are. And they're understanding that, that respecting those on your team uh, is not some kind of soft thing that just feels good or whatever. It's actually very, very profitable. Yeah. You know, Edward Desi and, and uh, Richard Ryan of, um, uh, I think it was University of Rochester. They came up with a, you know, a wonderful um, set of what was called the, what they called self-determination theory about what motivates people at work. In fact, Daniel Pink in his, his book Drive um, utilized their study quite a bit. It's first brilliant. And they talk about the three things of people that, that really allow people to feel engaged at work and to grow and to be committed, right, uh, is number one, autonomy, right, a feeling of freedom, self-determined, not that you can just do whatever you want when you're at work, but that you have control over, you know, what your, your area, what you're doing. The second part is, is X is, um, competence or mastery. And that's the, the ability to learn and to grow and so forth. And the third is relationship. It's coming to a place. It's more than just a paycheck, but a place where you feel welcomed, right? And yeah. where you're part of something bigger than yourself. And really, when you think about it, that's go-giver leadership to have people be able to tap into that. Yeah. These are brilliant, brilliant 
tips and application. And I sincerely appreciate it. And one thing that's present for me right now, as you're saying this and, and how this applies in the workforce and in leadership, I also believe that the sign of a good leader, I heard this with Simon Sinek asked a, a Marine general, sir, what's the sign of a good leader? And he said something so simple yet so powerful. The response was, you can tell a good leader when the person asks how you're doing and then says, and I actually want to know the answer. Uh-huh. Not just, hey, Bob, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Okay. No, hey, Bob, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm great. Well, why? What what, def- what what makes you great? Or are you are you really great? And and I and I and I actually want to know. And and it's so simple, but hey, I really want to know how you're doing. And then the other thing is I, I tell my teams at at Boeing that the sign of a good leader is that. And on top of that, if you can tell me five things about that person on your team, that's not related to work. Mm -hmm. Tell me five things about that person, whether it's their, they've got a golden retriever, they love the Yankees, so on and so forth. But that coupled with applying these laws, man, that is powerful. So Bob, I really appreciate the opportunity to have you on. What are some things that you're most excited about in 2023? How may we support you on your future endeavors? Uh, you know, my business partner, Kathy Tajnell, and I have a, a, you know, a number of, of projects that we're doing, including, you know, I'm still out there speaking. I, I do less and less now at age 65. I travel uh, no more than once or twice a month, whereas I used to be on the road all the time. Uh, but uh, aside from those, um, we have a, a Go-Giver Entrepreneurs Academy, which we hold once every few months, which is a small group of people, very intense over two days. We have our Go-Giver Success Alliance online community, which is a lot of fun. And I have a daily impact email that I send out that people can subscribe to if they go to Berg, B-U-R-G dot com. One of those annoying pop-ups will come up and let you subscribe to it. And uh, I'm excited about that. Love putting those out there. They come out at five in the morning, uh, Monday through Friday. And it's it's really designed to to give a jolt of how to and why to and inspiration and always love hearing uh, responses from readers on those. Beautiful. I'll make sure that those are linked in the show notes so everyone can follow along with Bob and support. I typically close out with a rapid fire session that's called one gem, one step, one book. And with that, the amount of time you have to answer is the amount of time it takes to go up one elevator floor. We covered, so we covered this before, but what's one step that someone can take today to be a better giver? I think you just focus on uh, is what I'm about to do or say or post or tweet or whatever. Is it more likely to add value to this person's life or not? And if it is, go ahead and do it. If it's not, think twice and three times about it and probably don't do it. Beautiful. What's one gem that you have, whether it be a quote or a piece of advice from a mentor that has served you really well in life that could serve others very well? I think it's the guy who said, uh, Berg, if you want to make a lot of money in selling, don't have making money as your target. Your target is serving others. Uh, then he said, when you hit the target, you'll get a reward and that reward will come in the form of money. And you can do with that money, whatever you choose. But never forget, he said, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. 
it isn't the target itself. Your target is serving others. Amen. The best gift is to give back. And I believe the best accomplishment is the success in others' lives as a result of living out your purpose. Bob, besides from The Go-Giver, what's one book that you recommend someone read to sharpen their mindset and serve them, set them up for success? So many, I don't know. You've got quite a few behind you. So, A book written in 1909 by Orison Sweat Martin called Peace, Power, and Plenty is a book that every page has gems and gems of wisdom on it. I would say that would be a great one. I love it. Bob, thank you so much for your time. Really enjoyed this powerful conversation. And folks, get the go-giver and look up the five laws of stratospheric success and apply them. And that will set you up well for success, not only this year, but well into the future. Thanks so much for tuning in and win today. 